0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. My name is Jeff Lyle. If you're tuning in for the very first time to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, I want to say thank you. And to all of you that listen frequently, I want to say thank you again. Uh, I think this is episode like 118, 119, something like that. And uh, it's been uh, a fun, fun, uh, almost, uh, let's see, almost two years. Is that right? Is that possible? coming up maybe on two years that we started this maybe a little less I don't know I'm not real good with details on certain things but I'm just glad that you've tuned in Um, we are blessed by the Lord and really happy that the podcast has reached um, who it's reached and continues to reach some and since you some of you are turning in for you know your very first time um, Mavericks and Misfits really is just a podcast that is slanted towards uh, Christians it's almost exclusively Christian in its context but we we kind of rock the boat a little bit and what i mean by that is that it's not a boxed in christianity um we believe in the authority of god's word and we believe in the necessity of god's spirit and when you combine word and spirit it inevitably will make you a bit of a maverick and you'll find yourself feeling like a misfit in the status quo world of christendom especially in the west in the united states where i live and um, so we're not trying to be cool. Um, I'm far beyond my cool years. <laughs> I don't even know if I was cool during my cool years. But if I ever was, I'm not now. And I'm just trying to help people. And so when we broad, uh, when we podcast every every Tuesday is when we typically drop the new episodes. Um, we're just looking to help people. Helping you think. And uh, I, I think one of the things that is so important for the modern Christian is is you've got to learn how to think. And I would even add think for yourself. And what I mean by that is you've got to get into the word of God. You need to get into a place and a lifestyle of praying so you hear from the Lord. And as you are praying and releasing what is in your mind and your heart from your spirit to the Lord, you're also hearing back uh, from him. Prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. And I think that if we will be people who ingest uh, the word of God on a daily basis that we're in a community of believers, a local church there where the word of God is upheld, that the teachers and the prophets and the pastors and apostolic leaders um, actually re- reference the word, actually speak scripturally to our lives. There's a combination effect of um, being in a community of believers like that, um, running with people that highly treasure the word of God. But at the same time, we need the Holy Spirit. You know, sadly, in many of your Bible-focused churches and ministries, the Holy Spirit is like kind of welcome to get in the room as long as he doesn't do anything. And that's really tragic that we would know all of the theology about the Holy Spirit, but not welcome him to do and to be all that he does and all that he is. And uh, so I, I think what we're going to see happening as we uh, move, I feel like we're moving rapidly towards the end of the age. I think things are being set up in the culture globally, uh, socio-political stuff. I think here in America um, there is a lot uh, culturally that's going on that is not awesome. And I think um, you know some dominoes are going to fall, and we're going to see – the events that culminate at the end of the age, they're coming. And so as, as we as we move towards that, what you're going to do is, I mean, what you're going to see is, you're going to see the hand of God shaking what can be shaken so that only that which cannot be shaken remains. And so all of the superficial, all of the superfluous, all of the unnecessary things that have attached itself to Christianity in America The shaking hand of God will shake and those things that are not um, crucial, those things that are not kingdom are going to be shaken away. And that's going to include a lot of people. I don't mean God's going to kill people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he's going to set it up to where Christianity, uh, professing Jesus Christ as Lord and living as such in America is going to come with a high cost And those people that are Klingons, they just cling on to the church, it's just cultural for them, it's religious, it's their, you know, heritage and all of that stuff, those people are going to be shaken off because it won't be worth the price to them because they're not genuinely converted. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see initially a thinning of the ranks of numerically of Christians that uh, say, yes, I am a Christian, you're going to see that thin out. And... You're going to see people that will not associate with Jesus Christ nor his church because they don't have him. And therefore, when the time comes to make a choice, they will choose the world. They will choose ease. They will choose non-persecution. They will choose comfort. They will choose deep convenience. And rather than suffer the reproaches of what it means to be a Jesus follower in a culture that no longer values him, and as a matter of fact, a culture that is anti-Christ, those people will fall away. That's part of the shaking. You'll see that first, by the way. There will be events that uh, facilitate the shaking of people away, but um, it'll be very noticeable. And uh, those that profess to be Jesus will deny him in their works, proving they never were of Jesus. And then what you're going to have is you're going to have a remnant of believers that are holy, purified, sold out, committed, and have taken up their cross, and they do not count their lives dear unto themselves, but they will pay whatever price is required, month by month, year by year, as we approach the end of the age. And so what's going to happen is the purified church is going to have so much more potency, so much more credibility. It doesn't mean we'll be applauded and loved, but at least people will know those Christians are real. Uh, Right now, many people just see the hypocrisy in the church. They see the powerlessness, the spiritual impotence in the church. And therefore, the church is not all that attractive. But when the shaking comes and the church is purified because the church right now is contaminated, it's contaminated with Christianized religion facilitated by um, religious leaders who are in it for reasons other than the glory of God. And of course, those leaders will fall away too. And then you're going to have what has often been referred to as a nameless and faceless um awakening and it won't be facilitated by platform personalities there will be leaders but all of the starstruck stuff that is uh, nauseatingly characterizing the church today will be gone and what you're going to have is a remnant of people that are firebrands for the lord and so that's coming and i think um you know to whatever degree i can have a tiny amount of helpful influence on i don't even know hundreds of people maybe could be thousands i don't know man i don't I don't run metrics much anymore. We've got some people on staff for our media stuff that glance at those every now and then. For me, I just need to show up and do what God says, talk into the mic, talk into the um, the congregation, and let God handle the dissemination of that. And so if you find yourself on the other end of this podcast listening, I say welcome. I'm going to give you—I'm going to drink a cup of—not uh, a cup. <laughs> I'm going to drink a sip of coffee here in a moment. But I want to—if uh, if you're somewhere situated— and like you're not driving or whatever, exercising, um, open up your Bible to the book of Ezra in chapter number nine, Ezra chapter number nine. While you're flipping there, I'm going to take a sip of guess what? Decaf coffee. Lo and behold, I have switched about two and a half weeks ago to decaf coffee. I've had almost no caffeine in the past. Um, I guess it's been three weeks now And haven't, it hasn't really felt like I've, I've lost anything, but, um, just keeping my blood pressure down and trying to make sure, you know, I'm not flipping and flopping in bed at midnight when I need to be asleep. So no more caffeine. So I'm going to drink this fake coffee here for a second. Give me a moment. still tastes good. Um, yeah, I would say pray for me. I'm coming off of caffeine, but it really isn't that urgent. Um, so I'm, I'm riding up to the North Georgia revival, uh, last night. I'm recording this on a Monday and I'm was riding up to the North Georgia revival in Dawsonville, Georgia. A quick plug. If, if you've never been to the North Georgia revival, I'm telling you as a friend and a brother, you need to go. I would even ask you if you live within an hour, we drive 40 minutes to get there every Sunday night. Um, If you live within an hour, maybe even an hour and a half of Dawsonville, Georgia, you might want to consider that Sunday nights, um, for the immediate future should be spent by you and those that you love at the North Georgia revival. And there's a host of reasons why not to mention the miracles and the healings, but, uh, the prophetic, um, word is released there frequently. People are being saved. I got to lead a a man last night to Christ and he was immediately baptized, um, God is dispatching people from what he's doing at the North Georgia revival. Marriages have been restored, uh, documented miracles have happened. And what's happening from not just at the North Georgia revival, but from the North Georgia revival, um, is distinctly kingdom. It's not perfect. Neither is your church. Neither are you. Neither am I, but. Um, but it's, it's probably the clearest manifestation of kingdom power that is happening in the region in which I live here in the southeast United States. So you ought to go. So last night I was on my way up there and we were at a red light. And the uh, car in front of me had a, a license plate that just kind of captured me. It said EZ96. Uh, and then there were some other letters after it. It was a custom plate. I don't know what it might have meant to the person who owned the car. But it was ez nine, six. And then I think a few other letters or numbers, but easy nine, six caught me. And I heard Ezra nine, six. I just heard that in my spirit. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's Jeff and sometimes it's the Holy spirit. And so I usually wait a minute and kind of see if it just leaves me And if it does, I know that was just a thought I had, and I usually don't do much with it, but this one just stuck with me. And so when uh, Amy and I got into the church building at Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, I just looked the verse up, and I started reading that passage. And I think uh, 9-6, Ezra 9-6, was just kind of the gateway for me, because it was right above um, a verse that I want to talk to you about today, which is Ezra 9-8. And if you got time, you can read Ezra 9-6 through 9-10. And um, just very quickly, I don't want to do a Bible study here today. I just kind of want to flow a little bit off of what this verse is speaking to me. And I think it's going to speak to some of you. And I want to exhort you, and I want you to listen for you. Um, a lot of times we we just listen, but I want you to listen for you. Like, I know I can't see you and you can't see me. That's the, you know, the nature of a podcast. We're not face to face. But when I do podcast episode, I'm almost always picturing an individual. Um, I'm, I'm not picturing a precise individual like John Smith of Paducah, Kentucky. I'm, I'm I'm thinking of an individual listening, a man, a woman, a young person, an older person, a, a Christian, a not yet Christian. And so I'm, I'm talking to you as an individual. So I want you to hear what I share with you as an individual. And so in Ezra 9.8, is, are these words, okay? It says, but now for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. That's the New International Version. A quick sip of coffee, please. Hold on. And so Ezra nine eight. I'm going to read it again. Now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Um, The English Standard Version says a little reviving in our slavery. The Berean Bible says gives us new life to our eyes, even in our bondage. And so you've got this idea of reviving relief. You've got the idea of, of God moving on behalf of a group of people who've not been where they're supposed to be. Uh, Historically, this was written when Israel was in bondage in Babylon and they were being released back to their homeland after 70 years. So Ezra is referring to this relief and reviving from a historical state of living, which was characterized by bondage. They were in effect slaves, dispossessed of their inheritance, not living in the promises of God, suffering, um, discipline, uh, from the hand of God against whom they had rebelled for centuries prior to their bondage. And I love this for many reasons. One, the wording of Ezra 9-8 helps me because it speaks of some things that I think are important for you to listen to right now. When Ezra speaks and he says, for a brief moment, for a brief moment, God has shown grace and he's left us a remnant and he's giving us a firm place in his sanctuary God was returning Israel back to the land. God was giving his people another chance. God was extending grace to those who had failed him terribly. And God had broken Israel of their idolatry while he had disciplined them. And I would just say this he disciplined them severely. There's a difference between the discipline of God and the punishment of God. God was not in wrath seeking to harm his people who had um, both willfully and at times ignorantly disobeyed him. No, he was well aware his, his discipline was more precise than it was passionate. So in other words, he's correcting them because the way in which they were going was a way of wandering from him. They had strayed from the ways of God. They had stepped out of the will of God. They had had one hand in their minds on the things of God and the other hand flailing and grasping for the tantalizing things of the culture around them. And for a little space, God did not discipline them. He called them to repentance. He sent the prophets to them. He sent one after another. Tell my people to repent. Tell my people that if they don't, I will discipline them. Tell my people to put away the false gods and to repent of their idolatry. Tell them that I see their sexual promiscuity and it is outside of my will and it is terrible for their soul. So I call them to repentance. Tell them to stop sacrificing their children to the gods of the Moabites and the Ammonites. Yes, that's how bad that that generations had had strayed from God, they were killing their children. Um, A very clear parallel to the compromise in the American church where presumably Christians will say that it's okay to abort babies. There is no difference between what Israel did to their children sacrificing their babies and their toddlers to the gods around them, the false gods around them. There's no difference between that. In the issue of infanticide or abortion um, in America today, that we actually have people that say they belong to God, are in covenant with Him through Jesus Christ, have been made new creations, are filled with the Spirit, and yet they seem to have found some insanity that says God is fine with us killing our children as we sacrifice those children to the gods of convenience. To the God of money, because people say, I don't have enough money to raise a child, so I'm going to sacrifice my, my child. Uh, to the gods of careers, women that want to abort their babies because it will interrupt their career. So there's no difference. There really isn't. It's just a different time, but it's the same spirit. Kill the child for your own needs. And so God judged Israel, his own, his own apple of his eye, his covenant people. And God has by the way, God has judged every single people group that legislated the killing of their children and God listen if America doesn't repent thank the Lord for Roe v. Wade getting overturned this past um, June I think it was in the summer thank God for that um, but America has to repent of this or will welcome and invite the discipline of God and so they had been disciplined in ancient Israel for many reasons primarily you could just say they were you know committed to their sin and yet God put them in in timeout. He put them in Babylon. He says, oh, you like serving other gods? How about I put you right in the heart of a polytheistic pagan culture and let you get your fill of every single false god that you want. And by the way, it's going to cost you everything. So they were carried away captive. And for 70 years, they languished up there. And at the end of these 70 years, God raises up people that he says, okay, it's time to go back to the land and restore my glory in Israel. And so when Ezra is saying this, he's coming to this realization that he was standing in a brief moment. Let me pause here for a second. He's standing in a brief moment, a sovereign parenthesis, that the Lord Yahweh, the God of the Jews was extending grace to them after having disciplined them. And so this brief moment of grace was being extended to the remnant that's there in Ezra 9-8, the remnant that had repented in Babylon. Uh, You've got Daniel. You've got all of these people that repented. There were godly people that stayed true to the Lord during those 70 years. And so this repentance towards God eventually became a brief moment of grace and this grace is a grace of opportunity it's not just saving grace or i'm going to be merciful to you but even spite of your sins it is a grace opportunity grace is not simply salvific where you are born again by grace for by grace are we saved through faith it is a gift of god not of ourselves lest any of us should boast. It's not when we think of grace, we just think of saving grace. But grace is the entire atmosphere of the Christian life. And there is an aspect of grace that results in opportunities for you and I to move as God opens a door. It is a grace opportunity. God's saying, I'm giving you grace for a brief period to move in the direction that I'm calling you to move. And it is our choice whether we say yes or not. And Ezra was communicating that this brief moment, he knew it was an open door that would eventually close if they did not walk through it. And of course they did walk through it and not getting into ancient Israel history, but they all went back to the land and they resettled and they you know, built the temple, they built the wall, all of that. Nehemiah and Ezra, great books of the Bible to read, by the way. Um, but he says that this grace to the remnant was in order to secure a firm place in his sanctuary. So it was about worship. It was about proximity to God. It was about intimacy. It was about restoration into the full inheritance that God had promised Israel through the covenant with Abraham and, of course, David. And then Ezra describes this as God giving light to their eyes and a little relief in their bondage. So let me talk to you because, you know, for basically 20 minutes, I've been talking to you about America and ancient Israel. But I want to bring it straight to wherever you're listening. Um, I don't presume to know who's listening, and I certainly couldn't know what all is going on in your life, but it is not a risk for me to say that some of you are going back and forth between the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom. Some of you are living with one hand reaching out and holding on to the gospel, the kingdom, the values of the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles as revealed in scripture. Some of you are saying, yes, and deep in your spirit, you're saying, this is where I belong. I'm a kingdom woman. I'm a kingdom man. I'm a young person who is hungry for the glory of God to manifest in my life, in my church, in my city. And that's great. That's awesome. But it is not enough if those very same people are saying, but I'm also allured by the world. I want these things in the world, the values of the world. They charm me. I want to be rich. I want to be liked. I want to be gifted. I want to be spotlighted. I want to have somebody in my life that will validate my worth. I must have a mate. I must have a man. I must have a woman. I must have prominence in ministry. I must have success in my career. I must have control over as much as I can. I must have reputation. And so you have a collision of kingdom values and all of that second set of things of the I must have, those are idols. They're idols. Now, money in and of itself is not an idol, not not apart from motivation and desire from the individual. Money is um, amoral. It's neither good nor bad. But when you feel that you must have it, you're in trouble. Um, There's nothing wrong with being known unless you're living to be known. So if you need to be affirmed constantly, if you are feverishly checking who's following you on social media. How many views you got? How many likes you got? How many retweets or shares that you got? Who saw your Instagram story? Did anybody comment? That's a quest to be known. That's going to the crack pipe, that crack pipe hit to make sure you get your high of I have value because so-and-so follows me, shared me commented and so on that's probably an extreme way of describing what happens every day in a lot of people's lives and then again that issue of having a mate having somebody to share your life with there's nothing wrong with that I mean God God looked at Adam by himself and said it's not good for man to be alone and the vast majority of Christians are driven by the Lord to spend and share their lives along with somebody that they call husband or wife There's nothing wrong with that unless as a single person, you feel you are less than and you are putting everything on pause until you find that person that is idolatry. And so what the Lord does is he works in some pretty um, amazing, unique, tailored for you ways to bring you that place of repentance. And then when he does, he brings relief to you in what has been your bondage. He gives light to your eyes, as Ezra 9, 8 says. Like the Lord is working to open the eyes of his children. Can I speak to this prophetically for a moment? Our eyes have become dull. We look at so much with our eyes that we have a hard time noticing and recognizing kingdom when it is right in front of us. Because our eyes have now been accustomed to only being drawn to those things that are sensationalized. It has to be big. It has to be vibrant. It has to be Instagram worthy. It it has to be cool. It has to be neon. It has to be impressive. It has to be spectacular. And we don't have light in our eyes because the Lord, even in Jesus's earthly ministry, did you know that Jesus stated that he veiled certain things of the kingdom from people because he did not want them to consume it in a superficial and shallow way. When the disciples said, why do you speak to us in parables? He says, Oh, I speak to you in parables because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. In other words, you guys have hunger. You guys want it. You guys can hear me even when I speak in parables. He said, but those that don't see in the kingdom, I don't want them to superficially see the most important things. So I veil them in parables so that those who really have the hunger are the ones who can see it. And I don't believe the ways of the Lord have changed at all. I believe that kingdom is happening all in front of us. I believe it's all around you. I know it's within you if you're saved. And yet we've been dulled because we are distracted. We're like Martha in the kitchen while Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha is making sandwiches and she's upset because Mary won't help her put the mayo and the mustard on the bread for King Jesus. Um, I don't know what might be distracting you. But you need to know what might be distracting you. What'd you wake up today thinking about? What will you go to bed tonight thinking about? What drives you? Is it what you don't have? Is is it what you are not yet? Is it what you think you're owed? Or can you begin to enter into this place because God now for a brief moment is being gracious and leaving you as part of the remnant to give you a firm place in his temple, his sanctuary, and he's giving light to your eyes to bring you a little relief in what has been your bondage. Now do you get it? Do you get that? You see, Ezra 9, 8 is clearly about Ezra speaking on behalf of that remnant of Hebrews who stayed faithful and became faithful and would be going back to the place of their inheritance. But Ezra 9, 8 also speaks to you because I believe God is opening your eyes. Leave them open. Stop staring at the wrong things. Stop being consumed with stuff that is not going to matter. You have to do it for you. You have to break your gaze off of the things that are not kingdom. And you have to learn how to do that. You have to learn what is and what isn't. And the, th- the pulls on our heart require us to pull back. Like the world's a magnet, man. I'm not walking on water. <laughs> like I'm not immune to this stuff. I have to crucify myself daily. I have to pick up my cross daily. And on the days that I do, we're good. But on the days that I don't, I struggle. Because I start thinking about what am I missing? What, what else is there? Is it worth it? to take the shrapnel in ministry from people who are trying to build their own kingdoms while you're trying to advance gods. And when those little K kingdoms collide with the big K kingdom and you're the one for trying to facilitate big K kingdom, you get the darts that are always thrown at a distance from little K kingdom people. Why? What happened? Oh, well, they've got used to living in Babylon and they don't want anybody going back to the promised land. And when, when I'm thinking about this, I'm asking God, open the eyes of those who must see. And the end result is this. And I'm going to wrap up here in a moment. The end result is God brings relief to you. Or in some of the translations of Ezra 9.8. He brings reviving. Like there is a whole representation. A reality. Of God's kingdom. That for a brief moment. He's opening up that door to you. In grace. He's saying now the time to walk through it. Now's the time to separate unto me. Now's the time, no matter what your peers are doing, no matter what people in your age group are doing, no matter what your pastor's doing, no matter what your spiritual leaders are doing, no matter what all of your favorite podcasting prophets and teachers are saying, God's saying to you, I want you to walk through the door that I'm opening And friends, only you can know what that is, but it is sometimes a solitary passageway that is only has room for one. And you're waiting for a group to go, or you're waiting for five five people to go ahead of you to prove it's good. And God may be calling you into a pioneer moment where he's saying, I'm looking for somebody that is willing to follow me alone in this brief moment of open door opportunity to come to a place where I will make them a fixture in my holy sanctuary. And I'm hoping that some of you that are listening today will say, I think that's me. And I think the time is now and I'm going to do it. Now, wouldn't you love for me to fill in all the details? Wouldn't you love for me to just get a moment of precise prophetic revelation and say to you, maybe even call out your name. (laughs) And that's not the, that's not the gifting of this hour. That's not the purpose of this hour. I'm trying to get you to think about your life. I'm trying to get you to consider the kingdom. I'm trying to get you to realize that the brief moment is a brief moment, meaning callings, opportunities. Like what I'm doing right now is I'm speaking to people who are already kind of wondering about this stuff. And all I've done is put it into words that it starts to make sense to you. And you're like, that's what I'm dealing with inside. That's what's been going on in my heart. That's that dissonance within me where the world is pulling me and my peer group is pulling me and the expectations of the American culture, if you're in America, is pulling me. And, and then I've got this stronger inner tug in my soul, deep in my spirit, and it's God's hand pulling me, not tugging me, but pulling me. And the Lord is saying, which pull will you cooperate, the tug of the world or the pull of the Almighty? And I can't fill in the blanks for you. Maybe it's a ministry opportunity. Maybe it's just you need to change your mind. Metanoia. That's the word translated repentance or repent in the Bible. Metanoia means to change the way you think about things. And yeah, I think the highlighted part of this is that the brief opportunity, if you picture it as an open door, the brief moment of Ezra 9 8, um, it's only got room for one. Oh, many can walk through it, but only one at a time. And I feel that God is speaking to individuals today saying, and that other key word in Ezra 9, 8 was a remnant. A remnant, not a crowd, not a throng, not a horde, not a battalion, not a platoon. A remnant that is comprised one by one of people from all different backgrounds, all different giftings all different ethnicities coming from different places out of different age generations. And God brings them from all different spots and brings them to one locale right there in his temple, right there in the place of intimacy, right there in the throne room. And he says, the remnants here. And I'm praying that you'll be part of it. I appreciate you listening today. If you're interested in um, a little bit more volume to resources, a little bit more length, a little bit more depth, Uh, We've recently redesigned the Transforming Truth website, and on TransformingTruth.org, which is the umbrella ministry for Mavericks and Misfits, if you go to TransformingTruth.org, you can find there um, a whole host of links and posts. I write in a blog there once a month, but beyond the blog, there are video links to Transforming Truth YouTube channel, and you can go through the series of messages I've been preaching. I've just spent the spring and the summer preaching through the end times by the time this podcast released, I think, I think, um, we will have wrapped up that series and, uh, I would just say, take advantage of it, man. I think there's like 15 messages on the end of the age. And the whole point is you better get ready because we're about to walk into it. And so those are there at transform truth. You can get the transforming truth app. It's free. And all of the stuff that we stream, including, um, Mavericks and Misfits is located in the transforming truth app. And uh, let us hear from you. If you've got ideas for a podcast, write me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll consider it. I don't always get to answer all of the emails. I appreciate you guys writing and don't get your feelings hurt if I don't get a, a response back to you. Um, but I do read them. And um, if if we decide to do something that you post, I'll let you know ahead of time. Um, and then if you, if you feel like, um, you know, if you want to contribute, at all. I don't ask for money or donations on Mavericks and Misfits, but I do mention that the book that I wrote is um, available to you on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy books. Um, it's also in iBooks and it's also on audible.com. The name of the book is Figuring It Out as I Go. And I think it'll be a blessing to you. Um, it's a detailed story about my journey from uh, just a completely broken childhood into a rebellious and self-destructive adolescent in the early 20s year and then a radical conversion and then my journey into the things of the Holy Spirit and so I think that book has a lot for a lot of people and if you want to get a copy of it you can do so either at Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com or Audible wherever you buy books or you can just go and get a copy of it off of transformingtruth.org and that helps me and I think it'll help you for reading it. Um, my time's gone. Thank you for giving me, at this point, 36 minutes of your day. And I pray that you'll consider that Ezra 9-8 and the brief moment where God is extending grace, the grace of opportunity to return unto him with all of your heart and to love him in the same way. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at TransformingTruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.